Well, I mean, there are some people that can pull it off. Actually, my brother is kind of one of those people, which is both humiliating and I'm proud of him at the same time. Um, but yeah, I mean, what they talk about, it, and I've seen this about like a Tim Ferriss with your four, four, with his four-hour work with me. Hi, my name is Vindya V. This is Art of the Extraordinary, the podcast for those of you who's ready to play a much bigger game and leave an extraordinary legacy behind. I'm glad you're here, and it's time to make your quantum leap. All right, folks, let's get this show started. For those of you who are new here, my name is Vindya and I'm a high performance coach and my job is to bring the best out in individuals and in teams. Now today I am bringing in a very special guest. I'm bringing on the show Andrew Chenlin. He is pretty big in the Amazon space. He took a small family business to become Amazon's largest supplier in the industrial electrical space. That's pretty impressive, right? Not many people can say that. Now, Andrew first began his importing business in 2005 at the age of 19. And he graduated with high distinctions in two majors from the Carlson School at the age of 20. And he now owns and operates not just the Amazon business, but three other businesses related to manufacturing, retail sales, and third-party marketplaces. That is really, really cool. So I'm really excited to be talking to him today, and I'm sure you guys will be picking up a lot of golden nuggets that you can use it in your own work, whatever that is. And hear this out. His lifetime sales on eBay and Amazon are each in the eight figures and he now also sells directly to Amazon from where a six-figure order is a weekly thing. A weekly thing. And now he's 33 years old and he lives in Hidden Hills Preserve with his wife and two beautiful children. Also, on top of all of that, He finds time to do charities, he runs marathons, he holds multiple public office positions. If you do a a quick search on him, you'd be able to find a lot more information about how amazing this guy is. And he has a happy marriage, beautiful kids, a dog, or multiple dogs, and a cat. So... That is a pretty amazing profile, so I'm really excited to be speaking with him. I hope you guys are excited to hear from him as well. So let's see the amazing insights that you are going to have from today's episode. Andrew, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for having me. No worries at all. Now, for those of our listeners who don't know about you, can you please tell us a little bit about your journey, what you've been doing, and what are you up to these days? Sure. Uh, my name is Andrew Turnland. I'm in the United States uh, in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. And my main business right now is we are the largest supplier directly to Amazon. I operate a business that um, sells over a half million different products directly to Amazon. 
And we've been doing that for a number of years. We continue to grow and, and grow in different directions. We're, we're expanding in, in a bunch of different avenues to try to service the uh, growing uh, behemoth that is Amazon. Uh, um, I started out years ago uh, selling online. I started my first business, uh, let's see, I was probably 19 years old, um, and um, uh, started selling online and actually to schools. And that grew and grew. Uh, through multiple different things into uh, where we are now, where we uh, sell anything from, uh, you know, uh, to from coffee beans to, you know, industrial refrigerators and everything in between. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And um, yeah, I'm enjoying a lot of it and uh, looking to continue to, to grow and, 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 and find new opportunities. Nice. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, what is interesting, that you started this when you were 19 years old. How did you get into it? Like, did you just drop into it or did you feel passionate about doing something online? So um, I, was a, uh, I was in school at the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota and I was a marketing and entrepreneurial studies major. And so I took some classes that are, were, you know, specifically about starting businesses and things like that. And they're, they're very... Uh, um, strategic and cerebral. It's not uh, the the form and function of what to do, what paperwork to fill out, but very, very much about you know how do you become an entrepreneur. And I got some very good advice from a professor that said, whatever you should do in the class, if they're serious, is just go out today and incorporate a business because <laughs> the ideas will come. Everybody has ideas, right? But what everybody what ends up happening is people decide that, well. I can't do this or I can't do that. People are very negative. But once you've already, you're already going to be doing the tax work. You're already going to be doing the paperwork. You've already, everything, get, you have everything else to, to move the thing forward um, structurally. And all you need is to execute an idea. Then you get rid of that excuse. And that's basically what I did. I mean, that's exactly what I did. And so when I decided to, um, I used to uh, run a lot. And so when I decided this, my first product was a heart rate bonder watch. And when, when I decided to find uh, inexpensive sources and buy and resell that and basically, you know, trade upon that idea. Um, I didn't have any excuse to stop me. And so by doing that, um, and removing those, those, uh, very, very common hurdles that stop the enthusiasm and ideas behind something like that, I just had no reason to stop. And so I, I moved it forward and I started importing heart rate bonder watches, so selling them online, selling them selling them to institutions, and it just kind of grew from there. Nice. Well, I think you bring up a very important point, which is about execution. And as you say, like a lot of people have a lot of great ideas, but what it ends up coming to is the execution because a lot of people don't end up doing it. And I'm pretty sure you find this even in the, in the people that you coach or consult as well. Can you please speak to that? Absolutely. Um, I am a little bit of a schemer. And that is, I take that as a compliment, and I hear it a lot from my <laughs> clients um, because when I consult or coach other businesses, whether they're Amazon or otherwise, um, I'm very good at figuring out angles. And that's less so about me, and I think more so about um, limitations that people put upon themselves or put upon um, you know their their circumstances. And I don't mean that in a you know in a, in, a, in the most intense sense, but what I really mean is people have a preconceived notion of how things are to work, say, when they're running a business. 
um, um, and then, or whether it's a relationship or business, they have a preconceived notion of how that is supposed to work. And then when that is challenged, sometimes people run, people don't, don't know that there is a way beyond that or that, that, you know, to, to, to look for that. So I actually try to train a lot of the people that I work with, um, sometimes about specific ways to get around those issues, but often about kind of, uh, uh, ways to to deal with that or to challenge uh, their their shortcomings or their issues so that they can um, you know take those things and turn them in, into opportunities or or leverage those things you know uh, I guess one of the most common things quickly that people run into is it's very very hard to start say certain businesses or certain activities but what they don't realize is once they actually get past that and they they they're able to execute on that that becomes a help that is a moat that eliminates competition and so in, in in the most broad sense a lot of these things that people think are negatives can easily be turned into positives with a little bit of work and all of a sudden once you're on the other side of the uh, of, of the of the situation it it's something that you you um you know no longer resent but you actually you know respect and protect mm. Absolutely. Um, that's that's so so profound in the sense that this is actually one of the things that I have to keep on telling my clients as well, which is sometimes like a lot of people would think, oh, I've got uh, something missing in my skills or I need a better strategy or I need a, 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 a different plan or something like that. But what I've found is that uh, in a lot of the cases, they're not really stuck in a skill, but they're more stuck in their way of thinking and that itself is not moving them forward. So they might try to acquire more courses, more certifications and all of that, but that's actually not what is blocking them. Absolutely. No, if you think of it um, from a strategic level and you're absolutely right, a lot of these um, or a lot of the, a lot of the issues that we run into or a lot of the shortcomings, you can, you can accept those shortcomings, but what you need to do is accept those shortcomings or those, um, places of weakness for lack of a better term and then say, okay, so therefore, therefore I need to play to my strengths or how can I turn, um, those things that I don't like and, and execute on those things that I do like. And so, um, there's, there's a lot of situations where, Rather than letting those shortcomings stop you, what you need to do is switch the model. So I'm a I'm an INTJ. It's a personality thing. It's basically what every evil villain is um, in all the superhero movies. And um, and uh, not that I consider myself evil, but what they are, they're they're masterminds. They think about all the different angles and they try to figure out some master plan to solve those things. Well, you know, believe it or not, that can be very, very positive. And so if you if you accept your shortcomings and you're honest with yourself, but you know you have certain strengths, which everybody has, then what you need to do is you need to change your life, change your perspective so that you can you can emphasize and execute on your strengths and um, eliminate your shortcomings. And there are and, you know, as long as you're open and honest about that kind of that kind of uh, uh, perspective. The world is your oyster because there's opportunities for every single kind of personality out there. Folks, you have to understand that 
not everyone can say that they are the Amazon's largest supplier, right? <laughs> that is a, that's a massive, massive deal. So Andrew, I want to ask you, like, obviously throughout that journey, it hasn't been a bed of roses. There had been cases where I'm sure you doubted yourself or there were other people saying otherwise and you had to kind of, um, you know, like go through challenges that you probably didn't think possible, but you kind of somehow either found something or did something different to get through them. Can you recall a, a case like that? Uh, absolutely. Um, so uh, I would say the, the the first and strongest case was to get the ball rolling um, to when I first got it started. So actually, um, one of the things that I've been able to um, leverage with Amazon is one of the one of their one of their aggressive strategic goals that I identified was they wanted to add more and more products. They want selection. They want to have everything in the world available on the site. So rather than try to pick a couple products that we could do really well, we tried to find a ton of products that we could do moderately well yeah, and just hope that certain things just really, really stuck. And so um, I say that to get to this. Basically, um, what we decided to start on is kind of more industrial, obscure products. And uh, my family comes from generations of he uh, obscure heating and air conditioning products. Well, you would think that I could go to those that my family members to let me to give me a leg up to sell on Amazon, but actually I had to sell millions of dollars of their competitors' products before <laughs> before they you know got on board conceptually. So wow. what I what I what I mostly had to deal with, and I and I love them to death, and you know I work with them now, and they're they're all great. Uh, you know I work with uh, multiple cousins, my father, my brother. So yeah, there, there's no angst or anxiety there. But um, the idea the idea was that even people that are very, very hard to, or you would think would be the easiest to get on board are very, very difficult without proving yourself. And so, um, a lot of, of, um, a lot of the gains that I've seen, um, came from success. So I guess the one thing that kind of, what, what's interesting about your, your question is that there are certain challenges, but there is the idea that, you know, success begets success and that a lot of people are drawn to, um, success. And so, um, it's really, really, to, it's really, really hard to start at zero, but if you can somehow pull yourself up or, or take advantage of an opportunity to get a little bit of inertia going, um, uh, in the right direction, it gets easier and easier and easier. So, you know, when you first have those challenges, I would say the thing to remember is that, you know, every little success, it's going to pay forward tenfold. You don't know exactly how, but it's going to pay forward um, in the future. And that uh, because, you know, once you have a certain level of success, it just be it becomes a little bit easier and a little bit easier or, or I would say at least a little bit less difficult um, if you can draw a line between those things. So, um, yeah, uh, definitely some challenges along the way. But now um, where we're at. Um, it's a different magnitude of challenges, right? Uh, we're we're not trying to just exist; we're trying to grow, and so um, it, it def definitely doesn't necessarily get easier. Um, but now that we have a a, a certain level of success, um, we can focus on growing in uh, other directions, and 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 success is all relative, I guess. Mm. Well, I think uh, you touch on a really really great point, which is about 
um, you know, sometimes the people that you think or is supposed to be the easiest people to get on board with something is probably the hardest. And especially when it comes to, to family, I think a lot of us feel that a lot. And in that sense, you have a very interesting dynamic because your family had been in business for four generations. Now, not every family can say that because a lot of businesses go out of business the first five to 10 years. And a lot of people do not really pass on the business to the children, not because, um, you know, it's not a good business, but rather for some reason it doesn't work out. So I'm pretty sure you've had your own challenges from that point, just like the one that you touched on. So how did your work, like, it's interesting how the dynamic works. Does it, does it get difficult? Is it challenging or is it easier because it's family? Sure. So now, yes. Um, originally, I didn't work with a family. Now we do some stuff together. Um, actually, I, different family members own different businesses, so we're not necessarily all uh, intertwined, um, but we still work together in a lot of things. What's nice about um, my family is we're a bunch of Swedes that are super passive, um, and so there's not a whole lot of heated uh, arguments or things like that. Um, it's very, it's very cordial. We get along very well and we're still very professional. And as long as everything's moving in the right direction, we're, there's a lot of even keelness. We work together when we do work on projects together. It is by, uh, unanimous decision and everybody knows their role. And so I, I can't explain exactly why that is. I would say one lucky circumstance around my specific family is that my, let's see, my father and my uncle are 14 years apart. And so my cousins that I've worked with and I do work with uh, uh, continuously are a half generation. And so unlike a lot of generational businesses uh, that have 30-year gaps, between each generation, we have very stepped, you know, 10 and five year gaps between each person. And so there's a very interesting, you know, gradualness to any kind of uh, uh, change in that structure. So although it's not strictly, of course, based on age or anything like that, we do have a certain hierarchy, I suppose, built into our family dynamic that helps make everybody in the business respect each other and work well together. talking about you know how you got your family business on board to be doing Amazon things and how you had to get around you know the idea what Amazon is and because it's such a new thing of course when you first started and how you went around with that's so interesting because I know a lot of people who kids whose parents are in business and trying to convince them of these new technologies and all these new things but because they're not coming on board it's just either the business is going to die or either you know it's just not going to be as successful because people are not evolving and I'm pretty sure you see this with the people that you consult as well can you speak to a little bit more about how people are evolving or there is a resistance to do it and how that's impacting. Well, I could talk about it even more generally than say my specific family, but um, it, it doesn't exclude my family. So what I run into with Amazon specifically, but you could talk about online selling or any, any new technology, right? A lot of businesses, the decision makers are, are 65 years old. 
They're on their way out. And the last thing they want to do right before they sell the business, pass it on to the employees or the, or the next generation or whatever they're going to do, the last thing they want to do is break it. They've been working their whole life trying to create something or manage something that's been very, very difficult, even if it's been lucrative. And the last thing they want to do is change business models. And instead of selling to all their brick and mortar distributors, they want to, you know, all of a sudden sell on Amazon or whatever the case may be, right? Change to a new technology. If you sell, you know, ERP technology, it's that. If it's, you know, change and change a marketing firm or even change, you know, dentists that they've been going to for a long time. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Inertia is a very, very, very strong force. And so um, I think in particular, uh, it's not really it's not really specific to this generation. So I don't mean to pick on pick on that, but mm. those who are the key decision makers, um, and often they are of a certain band of age, there's no good reason for them to change because they're not incentivized to try to make this work 40 years from now, 30 years from now, even though that's the case. And so it's really about um, making a very compelling case. And this kind of circles back to what I, what I was referring to and we talked about earlier with um, you know, changing, being flexible with your strengths and weaknesses. It doesn't have to be necessarily even with you as a person. It could be with your business. And so if you say, hey, how do I make this um, attractive? How do I make some kind of partnership with these companies or some kind of relationship with them attractive? Well, if you're dealing with these kind of decision makers, you have to make it an all reward, no risk, no risk situation. And I know that sounds silly or very, very difficult. And often it is, but the point is you have to know who you're dealing with and then, you know, rewrite your world to fit with what that looks like. Um, so, so it's, it, and it's not impossible, but you just have to make, make sure people, you have to know your audience and then change how you act to reach them. And as long as you're thinking at a strategic level, it's not that hard, but you, often you really have to step back and, and get out of the tactical area and get, after, get off of what you prefer to do and think about what you, what you can do and, and do that kind of thing. I guess this goes to any kind of partnership or any kind of relationship that, you know, rather than thinking, okay, this is how I do things and this is how I want to do things and I'm not going to budge, rather than thinking that. So you're saying that, you know, be creative with it and think about what's in it for the other person. I guess this goes across the board. Exactly. It's all about aligning your interests with their interests, right? And so uh, a simple a simple situation. I could, you could... So uh, specific to Amazon and buying, reselling products from another company. Now, a lot of places when they uh, sign a, a company or they work with a company to sell their stuff on Amazon, they take a flat fee or a monthly fee or, um, and then they will help launch their products on Amazon. They'll do the pictures, the, the listings, they'll do all the technical stuff to uh, just like an agent to get that marketplace going. The way I do it, because I know the decision makers I'm dealing with, I become a customer of those people. I buy and resell their products. So rather than them paying me to list their products where I'm an expense, I become a customer where I'm paying them for the opportunity to buy and resell their stuff. I have no contracts, no obligations, nothing like that. Uh, you know, as long as I keep doing my job and I keep sending them money, they're happy to work with me. And you know, as a bonus or as a as a as a good customer, I help move their product and you know create good listings and have good pictures and run promotions and things like that. And so that's what I mean from 
uh, or as a good example of changing how you present yourself to get to those people. Because when I talk to a, you know, 65 year old person that's retired in two years that, you know, is looking to sell their company and I'm talking to them about Amazon, I don't come in and say, Hey, I want to add $5,000 a month to your expenses and maybe sell some stuff. No, I come in and say, Hey, I am ready with a check to, to buy $25,000 of merchandise. Uh, you know, are you willing to do that? Um, knowing that I'm going to sell on Amazon and, you know, I, I, I promise you, you talk to any salesman, um, there's one preferred choice versus the other. Yeah, that is such a golden nugget. I'm sure my listeners would love that. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit and, and talk about uh, a little bit about the setbacks that we face because in business, it is normal for you to have setbacks or what some people would call failures or lessons, right? What is your philosophy in dealing with failures? Um, I have pretty thick skin, and so I move on from them. I don't dwell. I, it's probably semi-psychopathic, as I uh, uh, implied earlier. Uh, but I, it, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. All you can do is continue moving forward. Uh, it can be some sub. I've had some failures that are very dramatic, and a lot of the are where the rules change halfway through the game. And so I guess for me, that is the most uh, treacherous part of some business where uh, you have an agreement with people or you know how things are going and all of a sudden you're in chaos because the rules change and you didn't expect them to change because rules aren't supposed to change you know, dramatically or swiftly and things like that. And so um, the only way I know how to deal with that is to, to not panic and reconfigure your orientation. It's not easy. And it, it, you are, you are going to have some time. So I think it's okay to accept that when you do have a failure to, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, mourn it, it doesn't have to be an, an emotional sense, but it can be to really get past that, get past the resentment or whatever it may be, because that is a very, very toxic, uh, uh, emotion and a very, very toxic feeling. Uh, and then you have to figure out how to move forward past it. So if someone, you know, steals from you for lack of a better term, yes, you're in chaos. You don't know what to do. Uh, and now you have to refigure how you're going to uh, move forward. There's not always a, there's sometimes there's just bad luck or a bad situation or, you know, legitimate treachery or something like that. And it's hard to move past that. But for the most part, a lot of that stuff, you need to make sure going in, and this is part of you know any kind of uh, a situation, you need to make sure that you are, you know that, that can, it's a possibility, and so you're protecting yourself from it. So I would say the best thing you can do is learn from that and know and figure out a way so that moving forward, something even remotely related to that doesn't happen again. And that may be mean that you forego certain opportunities or you have other difficulties or you, you challenge yourself a little bit more. But, you know, if you've been, uh, if you run into some kind of traumatic issue or some major challenge once, you, you know you don't want to go back there. And so you have to make sure you protect yourself either structurally or emotionally or contractually so that you don't run into that situation again. I guess the economy and, and the business landscape has changed dramatically since you first started. 
how do you plan for the future? How do you plan for what's changing and how do you kind of either strategize or what kind of uh, what kind of things do you do to make sure that you're positioned in a way that you still have an advantage? I stick for with very, very basic business things. So I'm in the uh, business principles. So I'm in the business of buying stuff and reselling it, which is like I'm a I'm a glorified middleman. So like that, that we're not supposed to exist in this current society. So like I get, I have constantly am at challenge that like I could be out of existence at any point. What I make sure I do is that I set myself up so that we are in the best possible position to begin with. So uh, for example, um, I'm a believer in the adage that bought right is half sold. I'll say that again. It's bought right is half sold, meaning that the best way to make sure that you can sell a product is to be able to compete on price. And the best way to compete on price and still make money is to buy it at a super, super, super good value. And so things like that, the, those old adages that, you know, it's not about Facebook marketing and things like that. I tell companies that I deal with all the time, they want to deal with keywords and, and changing, their, changing their keywords for their ad spend and focus on all that kind of stuff. In, in reality, in A-B testing different marketing ideas, you know, whatever it may be, right? Some very, very surface level, level stuff. They're better at going back to the supplier and trying to weed out $2 out of their product and grind out through, you know, better economies of scale or better operations to improve the cost of their product. So a lot of this stuff, I'm not a big believer in uh, new school thought. Uh, or new school strategies. I mean, sure, there's a place for them. I, and I don't mean to discount them as an old curmudgeon. But uh, what I mean is there's still a place for things that have been true for, you know, time immemorial and buying at a good price, for example, in my, my, uh, 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 in my industry is particularly important. You can apply that across a bunch of different things, but you know, don't forget the lessons of the past that have been true for thousands of years. Those people weren't idiots all the way through. That leaves a good segue into uh, something that I actually noted from um, the page that you have for consulting clients. And something that you have mentioned is about uh, providing time-honored business principles. I think that's what you were touching on because a lot of people are going with a trend and doing a lot of things. So can you please speak to them? Why is it different and why, why that is as important as the new stuff that's coming out and why does that make a difference for any business? So a lot of people look for advice. They're looking for uh, maybe they have a certain structure and they know how to operate uh, what they're doing or operate their life or operate their business and they're looking for quick fixes uh, whether it's you know for your personal life a diet pill or you know in your business some kind of uh, uh, you know uh, new software or something like that that is you know kind of the sexy alternative to actually doing the work well at the end of the day I hate to break it to you doing the work is really really important <laughs> and um, you know having really clean uh, accounting and so you know what you're looking at is really really important and having a good relationship and really really good pricing with your suppliers is really really important and, you know, having really, really good salespeople is really, really important. So, you know, I, and I could go down the list, of course, right? Uh, you, you can't fake success 
except probably in the rarest of cases, uh, through just pure genius on one side. You have to have your whole structure in place. And generally speaking, whether you're running a dentist's office or you are, you know, uh, uh, running a business like mine, that's a, a the wholesale business. A lot of it's going to come down to, you know, the things that, you know, it's going to come down to, what are you paying for rent? What are you paying for supplies? Um, what are you charging your customers? Things like that. I, what, what the problem is, or the reason I call that out in some of my consulting, uh, uh, uh situations is that people are expecting me to, or expecting others to be a guru to tell them something that they don't know. And um, I wouldn't say that I tell people something that they don't know. I tell them, I remind them of something that they do know. Everyone wants to make money yesterday, right? Right. Well, it's that and everybody thinks that the reason they don't, uh, they're not doing something right is because they're missing some secret that everybody else knows. And it's, I guess that's half true. Uh, um, you know, maybe everybody else does know that you just need to pay less for this product before you sell it. Your problem is that you're buying terribly from your supplier and it's actually that simple. Um, people are thinking that it has to do with some kind of, you know, uh, uh, mechanical issue dealing with, you know, how their ads show up with Google AdWords or, you know, that their, their marketing uh, on their flyer needs to be a different font or something silly like that. When at the end of the day, it's much, much, much more structural often, or it's much, much more more basic, or even if there are multiple causes, you know, simply by fixing a couple of these things makes a much bigger difference. So I, I, I never, or I very rarely talk, talk super deeply about, you know, some kind of, uh, uh, issue with, uh, how things are phrased or something like that. I'm not kind of, I'm not some kind of Don Draper genius. Um, what I can tell you though, is remind you of the things that you need to check back on and, and make sure that you're, you know, keeping everything in order. And a lot of times, uh, once people get the rest of their basic stuff in order, all of a sudden all their problems go away. Uh, because it, really that was the root cause that they were ignoring and trying to cover up with some kind of hocus pocus that doesn't really, doesn't really help. So I realize I sound like I'm about 200 years old talking like this, <laughs> but, uh, that's the truth. Well, I think, I think everyone has to listen to, to that advice and they need to hear it because uh, I have heard it myself that I want to make money tomorrow or next week or next month. And in actual fact, we're probably talking about um, maybe a five or, or if not 10 year, in 10 year, a plan to make things work. But, and when usually people talk to me about how fast I make money, then, you know, what I usually end up saying to them is that, well, maybe you're not focusing on the right thing if you you know if you can't wait to get it over and done with that means you're not doing something that you love so that's actually one of the things that you mentioned which is do what makes you great and find a way to fit it into your life afterward can you speak to that please sure so i've been commenting back on what you're talking about as far as the quick fixes i mean a quick fix to make some money is to try to rob a bank but at multiple levels of analysis when you look at your 10-year plan well, you're going to have money for about 48 hours until you're caught, and then you're going to be in jail for the next 10 years. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that, I'm serious, though. I mean, if that, that's truly, if you were going to go on some kind of, you know, uh, look at it at that close of a level, and I'm not saying you generally people run into people that do, but, I mean, you people 
people still rob banks. Like people actually do look at that level. So, I mean, as much as I joke about it, that happens all the time. Uh, so, um, you know, it's important. Yes, you're totally right to look at that stuff. Now, from, uh, you know, what you're just kind of uh, said there as far as do it makes you great. Um, you know, I've actually borrowed that phrase from Elon Musk, so I take no, <laughs> no credit for it. But the idea is that um, it kind of goes back to what I talked about, you know, 20 minutes ago in this interview, where you go back to your strengths and you do that and then you, you, you build off of that. So a lot of people get pulled in many different ways, especially if you're starting a business or, or even just, you know, running your life. You feel like there is boundless opportunities, whether it's through social media pressure or just general pressure that's been around for years and years and years. People feel like they need to be all things to all people. Uh, but most people aren't very good at many, many things. They're very good at a few things, and they only enjoy a few things. So if you could focus on that and do what makes you great and do what you truly don't hate doing, um, what it comes down to is figuring out a lifestyle or a thing that makes that work. I think that's 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 really important and rather than trying to follow a prescriptive path of this is how you build your business or this is how you build your life or this is how you find a partner whatever it is it has to be it it, it really should be more this is how what I can be how I can be best is there a way that I can fit those other things to to do that. And maybe you'll have to make some changes and grow as a person or grow as a business to be able to, to make that work and get what you want. But you probably won't have to grow in that many different directions as long as you're honest and realistic about who you are and where you're trying to go. Especially early on in the business, as you touched on it, it's quite tricky because I want to be doing something that I, I just love, that I'm really good at, that are my strengths, but also I got to be doing all the other stuff that, you know, has to be done for the business or whatever the creative thing that I'm doing. And it comes down to that whole chicken and the egg situation where I need money to hire like other people as a team to do my other stuff. But you know, for in order for me to make money, I still got to do this. So how does somebody just work it out? Like, how would you advise uh, about, you know, going around working to your strengths and, you know, taking care of the rest as they come? So there are uh, literally millions of other people that are willing to do some of the work for you. I mean, for pay, of course, but they're literally. So I think what 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 is important is that if you really, really like Say you really, really like interviewing people, and that's something that you're really, really good at. What you need to do is you need to do that a ton and then do everything else. So I guess I think one of the issues is people think that they can what when, when they have someone else do their accounting or have someone else do their customer service or whatever, they, whatever they're doing, that that means they don't have to do anything else. No. What that's doing is freeing up you from doing accounting so you can do interviewing, freeing you up from customer service so you can do interviewing. And so I guess, you know, uh, I, it sounds like I'm picking on you, but <laughs> I just say, uh, you know, it's top of the mind, of course. But the idea is that you need to keep doing what you are great at over and over and over again. And you still might have to do a lot of it. I mean, if you want to be really successful, you're going to have to put in the hours, but it may make sense to put in the hours at the things you're good at rather than putting 
in the hours at the things you're bad at. So if I'm really bad at building websites, there are lots of people that can build websites. What that means is if I want to have a really, really, really good website, I have to work even harder at doing what I'm good at and do longer and do many, many hours of what I'm good at. So I guess it's not a trade-off that you can, uh, or it's not, it wouldn't be true. I wouldn't say it's true that you can unload things and then go kick your feet up at the beach. Some people can do that and they run into opportunities that are really, really good and they can pull that off and that's kind of glorified. But in reality, oftentimes you need to do that. So I can think of a, a quick example, uh, the orthodontist that's nearby me. I mean, what he has, maybe this is more common than I realize, is he has a chairs. He has like 15 chairs in a circle. And literally what he does all day, every day for 12 hours a day, is go around that circle. All the other staff is in charge of putting those uh, his 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 customers, his clients, into those chairs so that he can go from one to the next to the next. And people basically wait. The clients wait with their mouth open, seven chairs down, for him to come down, do his check, and he moves on. What he is good at is you know fixing braces or whatever an orthodontist does, and that's what he does. He does nothing else, and he goes around in a circle and he does that. It's not pretty. It's not sexy. It's not very, very fun, probably. But he, that is what he's good at. And, you know, he's got a full-size basketball court in his house. So, you know, he's got something figured out. Well, you're saying that I can't work four hours and then, you know, just go to the beach the rest of the time? Well, I mean, <laughs> there are some people that can pull that off. Actually, my brother is kind of one of those people, which is both humiliating and I'm proud of him at the same time. Um, but yeah, I mean, what they talk about, and I've seen this about like a Tim Ferriss with, your four, for, with his four-hour work week with, with the referencing. The guy works 80 hours a week. I mean, he's one of the hardest <laughs> people all the time. So it's just the biggest crock ever. I mean, it's nice as a concept, but like he's got a podcast and books and all this other stuff. He doesn't just, he, he can't type 500 words a minute. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a joke, some of those things. But um, the idea is that, you know, what, what that's really about, uh, kind of just closing the loop on that quickly, is that it's about using your time wisely, exactly what I'm talking about. So don't waste your time doing things that you're bad at because you're bad at. And although, you know, although it's cheaper, you think, you're, you're, you think your time is free sometimes. And in reality, your time is never free. And so you either want to work life balance, which most reasonable people have, or if you're, a little bit of a psychopath like me, you don't worry, worry about work-life balance and you just like to work because that's what you like to do. And um, then you just need to do it what you're really, really good at and not do the other things. So it's just important to be honest with yourself. And I, I think I've been said that about seven times here, but it's important to be honest with yourself and take a step back and figure out what you should be doing and then figure out ways where you can continue just doing that or doing that to the most that you reasonably can. I just want to touch quickly touch on the work life balance thing because as opposed to when you first started now you hold a couple of uh, public office roles and you run marathons and you do charities and you've got a beautiful family with two kids as well. How has your approach to business changed since you've started? Um, I am less aggressive for sure. I mean, I, there's nothing that, like having kids that kind of tempers you when some of that kind of stuff, and maybe I'm getting older. I'm, I do try to make sure that I'm around. I try to put in the time and focus when I can. Um, but I'm pretty good at, you know, like P 
hitting the buzzer uh, and then moving on to the next thing. Um, I do think work life and work work life balance is very important, including if you know um, if you can do other productive tasks. I would say the one thing that is really really helpful for me uh, and that I would encourage people to try to do uh, is to be conscious of using your time productively. Maybe productive means you know taking your kids to a movie or something like that. Um, it, it maybe doesn't mean doing other things that you like to do or you find yourself doing. And so, um, if you do it, uh, if you do it right and you think about it at a higher order level, there are lots of things that you can do that are not work that are productive because they, uh, you know, Maybe they help your family life or they help your community. Uh, they help your spirit, for lack of a better term, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, continue to try and do that. There's, there's plenty of room for recreation in a life to, you know, make sure that you're just not uh, a dull boy like Jack. But, um, but just make sure that you're conscious of that and that you're balancing all those different things. What would you say is the best and the worst advice you've been given? I'm a huge believer in just going and then figuring it out. You need to get inertia in the correct direction because you can always stop. I mean, if things are really, really bad, you stop. But you really, really should take on opportunities or go off of things. You know, when you're implied, you know, running marathons and things like that. The hardest thing to do is to get out the door with your, you know, shorts and your shoes on and then start running. Once you get running, it's actually pretty easy because, you know, before you know it, you're four miles away and the last, you know, it's either walk back or run back. So you might as well run back, right? Um, you know, that's, that's where you want to be. So I would say, you know, getting the ball rolling is really important, whether it's, you know, your business or what have you. Uh, boy, the worst advice. I, I don't think it's necessarily counter to that. I think a lot of it has to do with being extra careful. So um, I would say an abundance of caution when moving forward is overrated. I've never tried to sell an Amazon anything explicit or illegal or anything like that. You know, anything really, you know, have I tried to sell stuff where I need FDA approval? Yeah, but it's all stuff to help people. It makes you healthy. And so that's, I guess, maybe that's a right line, right? If you feel morally okay with it and it doesn't give you anxiety, you should try to figure out a way to move forward with it. If it's something where you're just, you know, you're really skirting some gray market stuff, then don't mess around with it. That's just, that's a bad idea. And, and but I've, I've run into people where they draw that line to the point where it's difficult because, you know, and because you'd have to import it from overseas, uh, because you'd have to get, uh, some kind of, uh, 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 you know, uh, legal exemption or something like that. Um, you know, well, you might as well not try because that's just difficult. Well, no, difficult is a different thing. You know, doing something that's, you know, morally, questionable is a is a different category so i think a lot of people stop once it becomes difficult because of along those lines they get they get especially skittish um and when i run into those people i have to kind of pull back and just kind of ignore them because i know that uh you know the, some of the best opportunities are where those moats are that i, I referred to earlier what would you say 
that if you could go back to the beginning of your journey, what would you change about how you did things or how you approach things given the journey that you have been through? I was pretty young back then, uh, but what I could do, what I would do again and what I try to do now is try to move forward on trends. You know, I guess one of the most recent ones was say like a Bitcoin type thing or something like that. But, you know, when I, people have to remember, I mean, I'm 30, what, 33 years old. When I started my first business in 2005, 14 years ago, when I was 19, uh, people didn't know that the internet would still be around. I mean, there were still questions whether, you know, e-commerce was something that was worthwhile. And, you know, if I would have bet big on Amazon, put it this way, if I put all my money that I put into inventory into Amazon stock, you know, I'd, I'd be about 100 times richer. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, when you, when, you, when you know that you're right, go ahead and move forward with it. Um, because the worst that you can do is just starting fresh again. You know, you're, you're, you're very rarely are you in a situation where you're actually much, much deeper. And so um, I would say for a lot of people, especially in business or what have you, or people are thinking about taking the plunge and maybe leaving their full-time job or trying a new venture or trying to do something along the side or running for political office or whatever you are, go ahead and do it. The, the most likely worst case scenario is that you tried something and it didn't work out. Big deal. That happens all the time. So, you know, don't be scared of that kind of situation because that's not even failure. That's just experience. Uh, it's, it's that, you know, and, and that's something that can be very, very useful later on. Uh, so I wish I would have had that kind of, oh, I wish I wouldn't have been so skittish and scared and thinking that every decision I made was going to alter my life. In reality, you know, I could have tried many, many, many different things and not done great at a bunch of them, but I would have come out have an experience of what not to do in a bunch of oddball situations uh, uh, that I probably could have, you know, coordinated into something that that's that created some kind of higher learning that I could have turned into something great. And so a lot of people try something and if they get good experience and they give an honest effort, if they don't fail because of lack of effort, they fail just because of circumstances or lack of experience and they learn from it, they can come out a lot better and do better the next time. And so I think that's something that I wish I would have understood at a deeper level, you know, many, many years ago. Yeah, because I think uh, a lot of us take a long time to understand that you just come out of whatever the experience that you go through, whether it was successful or not, that you come out a much stronger person, much mature person with uh, all sorts of different perspectives and angles to look at the world that will make you successful. I, I guess we take a long time normally to understand that. Well, I think a lot of people, um, you know, if you think of it as a boxing match, if you if you were to imagine a boxing match and the way you picture your perfect fight or, or how you would ex how you, how you would exist in something like that, you know, a lot of people's imagination they don't get hit, but guess what happens? Everybody gets hit in a boxing match. The best fighters in the world get hit many, many, many times, and you you're you're wrong to think that because. It wasn't a one-punch knockout that it wasn't that you're not the champion. No, there's lots of things. There's lots of there's lots of failures. It's a it's a and, and to continue with the boxing analogy, it's not about who you lost to. The best fighters are evaluate, evaluated on who they beat. 
So it's about your victories, not your failures. And so, you know, forget your whole perfectionist world perspective. That doesn't work because it's irrelevant. Uh, perfectionists aren't good, but are, are, you know, they, they, that doesn't do anything for you. The people that succeed and that have fulfilled lives, they may have failures, maybe they don't, but they do have, they all have successes. That's the that's a continuous thing. There's lots of successful people. Some have had failures. Some have had drastic failures. Some have had no failures. But all of them had successes. They're, they, so the so the failure perspective is the the, the number of failures or, or the the dramatic nature of your failures is totally irrelevant to how you end up being successful. Oh, that is such a golden nugget. Now to my last question, Andrew. Having been through all the experiences that you have been through in business and in life, what would you say is the number one thing that you have ended up learning about yourself? Being honest with myself is very important and learning about myself is very important. So once you learn how you think, how you view the world, and if you're honest, about yourself, about how you feel about the world, how you feel about things, how you act, that's very, very important. Not only do you get, you know, sort of moral courage out of it, but you know how to interact with the world. It's very, you know, so you don't become nearly as anxious or depressed when things go bad because you know that you have certain limitations or that you are a certain way and that you need to deal with those, but you forgive yourself. I would say, you know, it's, you know, a lot of the stuff that personally, you know, really it's been less about business and in my personal life. Once I understood how I think about the world and that I'm not alone and that I follow a certain patterns that other people, pat, you know, deal with. When I talk with my wife and we, and we communicate and she knows that I'm coming from their perspective because I can explain that when we talk back and forth, uh, she knows that I'm this way. And to not be uh, weirded out because she assumes I'm someone else, you know, I'm that or that I, I should have a different reactions. It's same with business. It's same with business and 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 what I'm doing there. Um, I know what I like to do. I know what current kind of person I am. And so um, by doing that, I know how to move forward in the world so that I can be happy. I can be productive things like that. So a lot of this just comes from introspection and uh, learning from some from from uh, learning about yourself. Often, I'll, I'll add kind of editorial ed, editorializing that it takes an outside party, maybe some outside tests, maybe, you know, a bunch of different things to help identify that because there's nothing that shines a light on you than someone else who is, can be very, very honest and guide you through that because it's really hard to hold a mirror to yourself. But if someone can be honest and point out to you uh, the things that what you, of what you're like or what you're doing, it becomes a lot more apparent. Uh, you know, really quickly, people have assumptions about themselves. When those assumptions are challenged because the other person says, no, you are like this, even though you think you, you perceive yourself as this, you are like this, it all of a sudden, if you're honest, you take a step back and go, what if I was wrong? And what if I am like this? Then what does all that mean? And for me, that's been a very, very powerful thing. I think you bring up a really, really important insight because I think we're learning about ourselves 
all throughout the journey. I'm not even sure whether it's ever going to end. I think we learn about ourselves every single day. The moment that I feel like I know myself, I feel like, you know, the universe kind of surprises me going saying, nope, you don't. You've got some more to learn about yourself. And, and you bring out a really great point because I've found that quite often all the things that we want to get to, whether it's a building a business or having a great relationship or whatever that is, quite often the reason why we don't have what we want is because of the way that we're being. It's because, as you say, that we are lying to yourself about something that we are or we are not. And the moment that we realize that, even the realization itself would kind of help us break through. But obviously you have to go through your own journey to get to that point. Absolutely. No, I, uh, I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's, it's difficult. It's a lot of work. That's where honesty is really important. But again, having, uh, an opportunity or taking the opportunity, what, how, whatever form it takes to go through those kind of exercises and I'm not sure even how I've done it. I've done it through a, a variety, a variety of different experiences. How, what, whatever form that takes, it's exceedingly helpful because all of a sudden you can think not at a, uh, you know, not at a tactical or 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 tactical level. You can you can think at a strategic level and understand why you're acting this way or why you feel this way, and then solve that at the root rather than dealing with it over and over. I mean, that's, you know, uh, it's the same kind of reason where people turn to, you know, chemicals to alter where they are, or they go into, uh, you know, situations that are not strong for them, they, or they fail over and over again professionally. They're prob you know, th there could be many different reasons, but sometimes it is not understanding the root cause of what's driving those things. And so understanding things at that level is exceedingly important and all of a sudden can be very enlightening. Well, uh, before I let you go, um, I just want to ask you, well, how do people find you and contact you? So um, I'm on Twitter at Amazon Andrew, uh, but more professionally, um, our website, churnlandservices.com, is where we provide a lot of the uh, Amazon services that we do. Uh, if you Google Andrew Churnland, you can find my consulting uh, situation. And Churnland is spelled T as in Tom, J as in Joseph, E-R-N-L-U-N-D. If you find a, uh, you know, I'm one of the few Andrew Churnlands out there with my weird spelling name. So if you find <laughs> me, you're probably, you're probably good to go. But uh, all those different things, depending on what, what you're looking for, uh, I'm more than happy to be helpful in any way I can be. Yeah, I will make sure that I put all those links in the show notes as well. So you guys can go and check it out. And also just, you know, go and speak to Andrew and, you know, learn about how to build an amazing business. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast, Andrew. I loved having having this conversation. I think our right. listeners would, would have taken a lot of golden nuggets from it. All right. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Folks, there it is. That is today's episode. I hope you guys had lots of fun and got lots of insights, lots of things that you can share with your friends, family, colleagues, or lots of things that you can implement into your business or your career or whatever you are doing from whatever the part of the world that you're from. 
And make sure that you subscribe and also go and check out the show notes because I'll be putting all the resources about Andrew and everything that he shared so then you can use that knowledge to the best. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please don't forget to subscribe and make sure that you share the show with everyone that you know. Let me know if you have anything that you want to share with me as feedback or any ideas, anyone you'd like to see on the show, let me know and I will try to get all of those amazing people on the show to my best. And I will see you next time. Thank you very much and best of luck to you.